Thank you, preacher. It's good to be here tonight. My uh, dear friend, Randy Pike, was buried today, or at least his earthly remains were. And uh, just a tremendous, tremendous man of God, 90 years of age. And my little brother is here. He sells Randy's book called Selah. I would recommend it to every preacher here. It's uh, just the four Gospels, the commentary. He took 14 years to write it. Not my brother Johnny. He, he wrote a postcard, I think, one time. But that's when they were three cents, a long, long time ago. But uh, I don't know if you knew Randy Pike. If you didn't get to know him in your lifetime, you missed a very great blessing. I want you to look in your book, if you would, to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. The second chapter of the book of Ephesians. While you're turning there this evening, uh, the pre I'm staying at the preacher's house, and um, his daughter and her husband and the grandkids, they live across the street. I think they've just moved there, and the neighborhood's kind of gone down since they moved there. But... Um, the kids saw me and I saw them. I think I was sitting on the porch and you know those little children, I thought they were going to run across the road and see me. I didn't want them to and I kind of stopped them. But you know when you pray for people every day, those little kids don't know that I pray for them by name every day. But there's a connection. And I don't know if they know that I love them and I care about them and care about their mom and dad and their grandparents. But it's a wonderful thing that we have the opportunity to pray. I think we neglect it a lot. But I guess the garbage man came today and the Gravelys had their trash container out there and I said to Celeste, I said, is that your mom and dad's? She said, yes. And I said, well, where does it go? I'll put it in the backyard or wherever. And I did. She told me where it went. I think it went in the kitchen. I'm not sure. Not really. But I took it out. And if it's not in the right place, where'd he go? He's the guy smoking. He's criticizing that singing group. Goodness gracious. And uh, so I took it and put it back. And I thought about our bodies are like a trash bin. And all the stuff that we allow to come in through our ears, we gossip, we criticize, we receive it. We watch things we shouldn't watch, read things we shouldn't read, and we bring, you know, our body's not called a trash bin. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. We bring a lot of stuff in. And it would be wonderful in these days that we're together that somehow we could eliminate putting a lot of stuff in our 
trash bins. I'm glad one of these days I'm going to leave my trash bin behind. And just that part of me that's been redeemed will be with him in the glory. I want to read uh, the first eight or ten verses. And I want to talk to you tonight about what the Lord laid on my heart to talk to you about. It would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God... who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. You know, perhaps one of the greatest hymns ever written was Amazing Grace. And there's a line in there, it's Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch but we were a lot worse than a wretch. We were dead in sins. Hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit, in, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father in heaven, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the preachers that have gathered and the people that have gathered and the folk that are here tonight. I think our Christian walk is a whole lot more than a loud noise. But I think it's going back to Calvary with a quiet hush upon our hearts and a majestic awe that God would deal with man in loving kindness and forgiving grace. I pray you'd help us, help me tonight to say what I ought to say and not to say what I ought not to say. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I could sum up my message before I preach it in 10 words, 
I want to talk to you about who we were, who we are, and who we will be from this portion of Scripture. My title is The Art Gallery of Life. When you walk into this art gallery of life, it's not very bright and shiny. It's kind of, it's drab, it's very frightening, frankly. The very first curator that we meet is a morbid, dour fella with a name tag that says, Mr. Past. The lighting is dim, the music is sad and forlorn, it's like a funeral dirge. We readjust our eyes a bit and we see black crepe. It's eerie. The Bible calls it in our text in verse number two, wherein time passed. Time passed. Verse three, we all had our conversation in times they are pictures of yesterday hanging on the walls in this room. They're pictures of dead people. All of us, well, not you young people, sad to say, but all of us old folk, we have albums with pictures in them, not on our phones. There's pictures now when you look at them of times past, you don't even know who they are. There's pictures of old dogs that we had. If Johnny and I looked at those pictures, we'd probably argue over the names of those dogs. I know one was Chester. He was a very good friend. Chester one day, Chester would follow us to church and we lived at least a quarter of a mile away. We had a wonderful preacher come and preach just about every year from my dad named Billy Kelly. One day we all loaded into my dad's. He had always had 98 Oldsmobiles and everybody loaded into it, all of us kids. Billy got in. Chester didn't make it and he was under, my dad ran over Chester's head. Billy got out and gave it mouth to mouth resuscitation. And he lived. He was not normal, but he lived. You know, sometimes because you go through those albums, I don't know who this is, you want to throw them in the trash. I'm not going to keep these old pictures. I tell you tonight, I am thankful. Do we have a God? They will pick us out of the trash bins of life. Dead, the Bible says. Dead in trespasses and in sins. Verse number three, times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we by nature children of wrath. We were just like everyone else. 
You go out in the world, you go to the stores, you look down your nose at someone who isn't dressed right. You look down your nose at somebody with decals all over their body. Earrings where they don't even have ears. We're all in the same boat. By nature, we have the same nature. You don't have to teach your children how to lie. They come by it naturally. Johnny was born in Florida. Steve, my kid brother, was born in Michigan, as was I. All of the other children in our family, I was going to say they were all... If it wasn't for my little brother, Jimmy, I would have said the rest of us are normal. Except for John, but Jimmy's way... You know, I think when you get down, way down at the bottom of the gene pool, you're in serious trouble. Some of you kids, you come in, you know, you're in a family with eight or ten kids. I don't know how you even know how to get up in the morning. You're not going to believe this, but my, when we were kids, my dad had a television. It was black and white TV, about as big, it was big as probably that pulpit. Had a screen about that big. Had three stations, two of them were fuzzy. Johnny was born in Florida, he doesn't remember this, but I was about five. My brother Steve was about two and a half, maybe years old. There was a television show on back then in Florida. We lived in Jacksonville. My dad was assistant in a large church there, ran a thousand back in the day. And uh, there was a little program came on three or four o'clock in the afternoon somewhere in that time called Winky Dinky and You. Anybody ever watch Winky Dinky and You? It must have been just a local station in Jacksonville. (laughs) Winky Dinky had not gone public, I guess. But you you would take, you had a plastic screen and you could put it over there. Winky Dinky, I didn't know. I thought Winky Dinky was inside there because you could draw whatever picture with Winky Dinky. Then you could peel it off. You could put up in the window and boy, you'd see this beautiful picture. And then uh, the next day it had a little thing. You could wipe it off and you could put it back on, draw another picture. I mean, we were budding artists. So one day my mother... I don't know, she ordered something from Winky Dinky. Postcards were probably two or two cents back in those days, 1953 or four, somewhere in there. And she put Timmy Green on there, and I had our address on Maple Street in Jacksonville, Florida, and a little return address. And and my little brother, Stevie, he must have been cutting teeth or something. And he took that little thing, and chewed that card all up. Now, my mother was the disciplinarian, and you may think my dad was, but listen, when it came time for dad to discipline, it was like the atomic bomb going off. But mom, it was a constant everyday thing, beating us, beating us. (laughs) I mean, we just woke up, all right, 
beating. Boom, boom, boom. She saw that card sitting on the little table there, and she was, I mean, her face got as red as a beet. She said, who in the world chewed up Timmy's winky dinky card? I looked at my brilliant little brother over there. I said, Stevie did it. My brother got one of the greatest whippings I deserved in my life. That lion, it kind of comes naturally. Those are pictures of the past. It's pictures of dead men walking. And it's still at work in men's lives. For our book says, for all have sinned. It's, it's, it's like a group photo. You see there in verse 3, it said, we all had our conversation, even as others. Can you find yourself on the palate of perversion? Would your picture, would you like the pictures of your life to be shown on a screen for all to see? The lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh and mind there in verse 3. Dead to hope, dead to heaven, dead to happiness. I don't know in this part of this little gallery, I, I would like out. The world's music is so sad. There were five or six preachers over in the room over here. I don't know how in the we got talking about some of the dumbest things in there. I had to come out and find me a Catholic priest to confess to some of that. You know about, you know, your pickup, someone stole your pickup and your hound dog died and your wife is gone. And, you know, one of the genius preachers said, well, if you play it backwards, you know, your wife comes back, your pickup truck, your dog, and, you know, two out of three I don't want back and you figure that out for yourself. I don't know how that works. You ever go to a lost man's funeral? You ever preach the funeral of a lost man? Terrible. Horrible. I want out of that dark room of damnation. You look around. Oh, there's a light. There's a red. There's a red sign over a, a door. It's just. It's just two words and six letters. But God. But God. I walk through. You walk neath that doorway into an atrium of light. The flowers and fountains and birds are singing. But God showed up. I was hopeless in the depths of sin. But God, bound by sin. But God, in filth and foolishness. But God, 
defiled and rotten to the core, but God showed up. I saw salvation I could not win, but God. No service to render, but God. Sin rampant in my life, but God showed up. Why? Because he is rich in mercy. So you walk into this brilliant, beautiful room. There's pictures. I mean, meadows of flowers and meadows of mercy. And there's music playing. And the lyrics are, I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. I will sing of the depths of the richness of his mercy in Christ Jesus. What a portrait. Has that mercy pierced your heart? Have you been wounded beyond recognition, but there's mercy. You may be backslidden tonight and cold on God. God's mercy. There's a word. Very few Baptists use it. Pervenient grace. Pervenient grace. That's God's grace. Preventive grace before you get saved. How he kept you alive until that glorious hour when redemption showed up in your behalf. Hallelujah. Think about it. We are here because of his mercy. We can revel in that room of righteousness. There's more. There's more in verse 4. For his great love, wherein, wherewith he loved us. Boy, there's some also beautiful paintings on the wall in that room of his love. Frederick Lehman wrote the song, The Love of God. How rich and pure. To me, Calvary was love's finest hour. There's no height above what happened on Calvary in regard to love. I like what it says in chapter 3 and verses 18 and 19 may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What a, what a glorious, glorious thing. 
there's more. I see a portrait in a gilded frame in verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. I'm still amazed by grace. The art gallery of grace, Oswald Chambers said this, the only way we get into God's favor is by the sheer gift of his grace. The sheer gift of his grace. John Newton would stand on the deck of the slave ships that he captained and curse at God. The sailors feared for their own lives because of his blasphemy. One day he climbed up the mast and got in the crow's nest. He had two books. One he had never cracked the cover of. The other he had perused briefly. One was the Bible. And the other was Thomas Akempis's The Imitation of Christ. He was so angry. He tossed both books into the sea and said, I'm done. I would say to you tonight, and I doubt that there's a lot of sinners that slipped in here this evening, or at least there's a lot of people that don't think they're sinners that have slipped in here this evening. But you must be done before you can begin. Get down to the bottom of the abyss of your heart and realize lost, lost, lost I am without his mercy, without his love, and without his amazing grace. Now we leave and there's a flight of stairs. Verse six, and hath raised us up, up together. I'm thankful he lifted me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. It says there in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off. That's where all of us were. You know, some of us, we don't think we were as far as someone else. But we were, we were far off. And His grace, we've been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. I love that. Those that were far off. He makes us nigh. We've been brought into the family. We're part of the picture now. Do you remember when you weren't in the picture? But now by his grace, that blood that was shed on Calvary, we are now in the picture. And we are going up. I was preaching in Taiwan, I don't know, a half a dozen years ago. It was an odd meeting. 
I preached into, uh, I don't know, four or six churches. I don't remember how many. And uh, then I preached a youth camp, a Taiwanese youth camp. Now, the people in Taiwan, the young people in Taiwan, they don't get married the moment they get out of high school. Like Pastor and Nolita did. Do you know this about them? I'm telling it. It's the greatest story about him I've ever heard. He graduated from high school on Friday, which was a miracle. They got married on Saturday. And he started pastoring a church on Sunday. What a honeymoon! Oh, Nolita, look how lucky you are to get me. I'm pastoring a church now. It's kind of worked out, though. How long you been married? Yeah, a long time. I bet you no leader says a real long time. What was that? Oh, Taiwan. Those Taiwan young people, they, 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 go, they get a job. They get a career. And they don't get married till they're about 30. And they got jobs. They both got jobs. They got careers. You know, they got a little money in their pocket. They don't have to be broke. Kind of a good idea. So the youth camp was all people like 22 to 32 years old. They had 150, I'd call them kids. Of course, people are in their 50s are kids to me now, but amen. And to Brother Jones, I'm a kid. So that's, he said something about me today, so I just, that wasn't in my script or my notes and probably was in the flesh. But anyway, I want to get back to where I'm supposed to be. But I was going to fly home and so the guy that I, main guy I was preaching for, he sent me to the Capitol. And I stayed with a fine young preacher that I met and missionary, just had great fellowship. And he took me to, at the time, it was the fourth tallest building in the world. Frankly, I really didn't want to go. But I didn't want him to think I was a chicken. I mean, that, we went so fast, it was 150 floors or more. I've been to the top of the Empire State Building. That's like a molehill compared to this thing. We shot up there so fast, I thought we were going to go right through the top. I'm going to tell you something, friend. That's the way it's going to be when we get out of this mess. From sinking sand, he lifted me. Now, there's another little thing. It's not all drawings and artwork and pastels and paintings and photos. I think it's moving pictures. Look what it says in verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us. We become animated. We get brought to life. There are some things that have been captured on film that you couldn't on canvas. A great artist, you know, like my favorite artist was Norman Rockwell. He always was on the front of the Post magazine for years. You kids don't even know what a magazine is anymore. My soul. Thank God for the light. Verse 6. 
hath raised us up together and made us sit together. Together. Oh, my. You know, usually, uh, we, had a, we have three sons, my wife and I. Our oldest boy was born on Christmas Day. What a present he has, was, is. But you know, when you have that first child, you take a picture of what they do every 13 seconds. And you have this great horde of pictures. When you get down to the seventh or eighth, you don't even have a picture of the poor kid. Let go to the FBI to find out if that's one of mine or ours. I'm glad again for that day when I got into the picture. You don't get in the picture because you're smart. You don't get in the picture because you're handsome or beautiful. You get in the picture because he puts you in the family of God by his grace. And it's a group photo. I like that. You know, I, I really... I wish I could sing. I don't really like people that can sing real good, frankly. I can't sing, but I, if I, you know, if I could sing, I have a radio program. I'd have, I haven't done it in years, and people got, you know, 600 and some, you know, some of you poor kids, you don't even know what these are, cassette tapes. And they play them at radio stations now at 2 o'clock in the morning when no one's listening. One guy got mad at me just not too long ago because I'll tell you when I made him, we had a president who was from Arkansas. He was married to the Witch of Endor. And I, they're still playing these tapes from when he was president and she was whatever she was. People get mad at me. I don't know why they're still playing them because, they, you know, who, you know, ain't nobody listening but this guy that gets mad, you know. But my theme song was, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll welcome you. It is no secret what God can do. And one of these days, we are going up together. We're now sitting together. We're going up out of the gutter, out of sin and shame. You know, I, I like what, you know, I think. I want to look at this, make sure I say it right, because I know where I'm at. We are. We're in the South, aren't we? You know what, you know what Southern people say when they're going to have their picture taken? They have their picture, what? Made. Look what the King James Bible says, verse 6, and made us sit together. You know, when you go have a, your picture taken in the north, we're going to have a sitting. So, I mean, the King James Bible is for southern people and northern people. Works for everybody. Hallelujah. There's a lot of grace right there. You mean for us Yankees, what you're saying. I'm glad to be in the family portrait. 
I'm glad for the men of Gadara that are now sitting at the feet of Jesus. I wonder what your old photos look like. You know what they, what you used to look like. I preached a funeral up in Marion, Virginia. The pastor's father died while I was there in a meeting, not because I was preaching, but he was sick. And so we had the funeral on Friday. He died on a, he died Tuesday, and uh, we had the funeral on Friday. And I was there. And I don't know why people, it was one of the dumbest things in the world to me. I told my wife, if you do this, I'm coming up out of that casket, and we're going to have words. They go out in the lobby, or they put it up in front of the church. They have this moving stuff of all these old pictures when you look stupid. And I'm standing out in the lobby, and I'm, the preacher's wife is with me. And it was uh, the pastor's daddy that died, and so I'm standing there watching these things. She's telling me a little bit. And here comes the pastor of this church. He has on one of those wife-beater T-shirts. He's got on a pair of shorts that long. White socks and flip-flops. And I said to her, I said, is that your husband? <laughs> they were fishing somewhere. She said, yeah, that's him. I said, how in the world would anybody even go outside looking like that? But I have been to the airport lately. Another, another room. This is the last room, I think. It's behind a velvet veil. In verse 7. Then in the ages to come. I, don't very, I very seldom write in my Bible, but I wrote above that verse, we ain't seen nothing yet. That in the ages to come, he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What are we going to look like someday? Earlier, we've just had a glimpse of grace. But this one is framed in the kindness of Christ. I don't know about you, but there must be a great vault in heaven filled with grace. The biggest repository of grace in all of the universe. It's unimaginable. There will be an angel, perhaps, that will show us the height and the depth and the width and the length of the grace of God. There's way more grace for your sins and sorrows and struggles. Your trials, they may be a whole tsunami of grace left over. And your hurts, there's grace piled higher than a thousand Mount Everest. What sin, what horror, what hopelessness. The blood of Jesus Christ can handle it all with much left over. 
Oh, yeah, there's one more room. It's a private room in verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I was a boy. He grew up in a good home. can't blame it on anybody else but himself. He went his own way, did his own thing, off in secular college. I would not go into the nights he spent, the weekends he spent, the hours he spent. Oh, he did go to a Christian school one year. He got kicked out for a week for jacking the jaw of the principal's son and breaking it. And the poor soul had to drink out of a straw for about six weeks. And I was so glad about it. I didn't like him. I made a false profession when I was younger. You know, you can believe what you want to believe, but no conviction, there's no conversion. And I think there's a difference between conviction and mama saying, you better do this. Repentance, repentance must and is a part of redemption. You see, you know there's a difference between repentance and redemption. It's kind of like the alarm clock at your house. Let's say it goes off at 5.30 in the morning. That's repentance. You wake up and look at it, and you turn it off. Turn it off. But real redemption is when you get out of bed and go to work. Repentance. I remember the night I knocked on my dad's door came out with his pajamas on. He didn't say, what are you doing? He said, you come to get saved tonight, didn't you, Tim? I said, I did. Somewhere between 2.30 a.m. and 3 a.m. on the 15th day of March, 1970, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God burst across my soul like a thousand sunrises. And I was saved eternally. I like, I'm done. I like his work in us, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. He's still working on me. 
one of these days we're going to get out of here this life. I thought about it. I don't think I'm too far from Trenton, Georgia, am I? I used to go there and preach way back in the 70s. A dear friend of mine, Fred Vaught, had a boys, no, a girls' home, I think it was. Might have been a boys' home. Where's the Harris boy? Didn't your daddy? Your, I met your daddy there. He's just a teenage boy way back. So it wasn't a girl's home, it was a boy's home. <laughs> don't tell him, yeah, go ahead, I don't care. <laughs> Fred passed away. I preached for him around the country, different places. He used to have a camp meeting like this out in Texas. I'd go out there and preach. I supported Mrs. Vaughn as a widow for a long, long time. Just like I'm going to keep supporting this precious lady, Adine Pike, a precious woman. Mrs. Vaughn, a few days before she died, I called her on telephone. I didn't know she was getting ready to die. She said, Brother Tim, I had a dream. I said, you did? She said, yes, there was uh, some angels that came, talked to me. And I looked at one of them. Now, this is just a woman getting ready to die. Now, you, can, you get to heaven, you can talk to her about it. She said, there was an angel that looked like Fred. And he winked at me, just like it used to wink at me. You ever wink at your wife, fellas? You ought to, it'll help you. Help your marriage a little bit. You know, you used to. And you ought to. One day we're going to meet the artist. The author and the finisher of our faith. Our God can make treasure out of trash. I think Jesus is the king of making Treasure out of trash. I've seen some people make some neat, neat things out of junk. I was somewhere in the south. I can't remember where it was preaching. We went to a restaurant. And on the wall was a map of America, the shape of America, made out of license plates from each of the 48 lower states. It had, you know, Michigan and had Tennessee and had Georgia, Florida, and had just those license plates all up there. It was kind of light, old license plates are junk. I keep every one I've ever had. My wife says, what do you do? I said, I don't know. I just like them. I'm, I'm glad that Jesus keeps the junk that he justifies. And the filthy that he has made faithful. And the rags that he has turned to righteousness. Listen, if you're not saved, you need to get in the picture. Get in the picture. Now my brother Johnny's here. And less than a year ago, his dear wife Tina went to be with the Lord. I don't think he knows what I'm going to say right now. But I was with, uh, was in a meeting preaching somewhere along the road of life with uh, one of the greatest preachers in the world, in my opinion. He's in the glory now, and he was the president of 
the college that I, Christian college that I went to after I was converted. And John, he went there. My brother Steve went there. Dr. Tom Malone and my grandfather, they graduated together from J. Frank Norris's school in 1946, I believe it was, might have been 45, long time ago. And we preached together, and he was, to me, I don't know about you, John, but he seemed like kind of an austere man, but not easily approachable, but when you did, he just enveloped you, and you know, he's just one of the guys, and it was fun. And we, I used to play basketball with him, in the gym every Monday night when I was in school. He was a pretty good basketball player, too. And, buddy, would he get mad, boy. He, I tell you, I won't even say what he said a couple of times. Bad. But Johnny, I think, had gone to Florida, met Tina, or Tina had come up and met her brother. You and her brother were buddies. That retarded Kendrick boy. Oh, you're not supposed to say retard, are you? We talked about that last night, and here I, you shouldn't have said that word. That goofy brother, the, what, Terry, Terry Kendrick. If you have him preach for you, don't. But anyway, <laughs> just put a good word in for it. But uh, I think they met somehow, and. Uh, they came back and went to school. Johnny finished and graduated at Midwestern. And I saw Dr. Malone, I don't know, a few months or weeks or maybe a couple of years after the, they had a Christmas cantata at the church, Dr. Malone's church. And uh, Tina sang. She was the closing act, I guess. You know, they had the shepherds there, and, you know, wise men, and baby Jesus, and everybody was there. And they wheeled Tina out, I guess, in a wheelchair. And she sang these words. If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And hope for life's best were the hopes that I'd harbor down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes, and my castles all crumbled, and my future turned to loss. So I wrapped them all up in the rags of my life, and I laid them at the cross. And he made something beautiful out of my life. All my confusion, he understood all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. And he made something beautiful of my life. Dr. Malone told me, he said, Tim, I'll take it back. He said, Timmy, he always called me Timmy. Now, everybody is dead now that called me Timmy, so don't start. You could be dead by morning. He said, Timmy, it was the greatest solo I ever heard in my life from a girl sitting in a wheelchair. God made something beautiful. I'll tell you, 
that whole place today in heaven is filled with trash. It was made into a treasure. And one day, we're all going to be wed to him. Father in heaven, we thank you for a few minutes tonight. I don't think a thousand preachers could preach the best sermon they've got on grace that would even explain it. Or mercy and love and the pardon that we've received, the sins forgiven, the joy that dwells in our hearts because of what you've done for us. We are a long, long ways for that place where we were headed called hell. We are headed now for a place called heaven. Help our trash bins to not take in the filth of this world. These redeemed and cleansed persons that we are. God, help us to do right. Help us to be right. Help us to think right and act right. I've been preaching for 53 years, a long time. I watch invitations. Two people have come uninvited. But if you ought to come, then you should come. If you did nothing more than thank him for what he has done, Or if you're not a Christian, it'd be great if you'd come. Say, I'd like a part of that grace. I'd like a ton of that mercy to be poured out in my life. I'd like to know the riches of the glory that we can have in Christ Jesus. I'd like to be a better Christian. I'd like to be more faithful. The areas of my life that need some propping up, the areas of my life that need some attention, the things in my life that I know are wrong and I, I do them anyway, and the Holy Ghost that lives inside of me is so grieved, so grieved. Not just plow right over him sometimes. Do what I want to do and say what I want to say and live the way I want to live and go where I want to go. God help us. God help us. Stand to our feet, preacher, you have it.